called it my anime hair because I'd wear a hat and then just the front part would bloop, bloop out. I'm like, yeah, I'm an anime character. <laughs> That's amazing. Those are amazing. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look like a devil. Well, demon, demon Kayla. And welcome to episode 131 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Land. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. How was your, uh, how was Garth Brooks? It was life changing. <laughs> Did the thunder roll? And the lightning striked. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh, no, so it was weird. It's my first experience with those, like, bags that they put your phone in. Oh, yeah. I haven't done that either. So, basically, you show up. They give you your phone, or they give you this bag. They watch you put your phone in and seal. And then it's kind of like those security tags Mm -hmm. um, at, you know, stores for clothes. Where, in order to get it off later, you'll have, they have this, like, special magnetic device Ah. that releases it. Yeah. So your phone is with you the whole time. Oh, I was wondering about that. Your phone is with you the whole time. You just can't use it unless you go to this specific small area where you can, like, check your phone. So you can feel your phone vibrate. You can't check it. But you can't check it. I would almost rather turn it off then. Well, and I I just... But also, what about an emergency? That was pretty much it. So, like, if, like, with my um, mom and aunt who have kids, Mm -hmm. obviously... If they got a bunch of phone calls, they could go, right? you know, right. put it away. Or they could do what I do and have it so that only special people can ring through. That's very true. That's very true. Again, you're one of them. Oh, it just makes me so happy. <laughs> so, yeah, he performed a bunch of my favorites. Good, good. Um, I got to hear uh, Standing Outside the Fire. <gasps> Standing which- Outside the Fire. Which uh, we put right up there with We Shall Be Free as uh, far as like awesome anthems. Uh, um, And I got to hear Thunder Rolls and I got to hear Rodeo. <laughs> I love rodeo, rodeo so much. And I got to hear Papa Loves Mama, which is a problematic mm. song that I love. Yeah. It, I mean, it's not good. No. Like the situation in the song is not good. What I'm blanking. Oh, uh, Papa Loves Mama, Mama Loves Mom- Men. Yeah. Now mama's in the graveyard and papa's, papa's in, in the, the pen. pen. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. But um, it is a good song. It's a great he song. really tricks ya with those, with those songs. Just like the, uh, I also, which was the other song that I got to hear that I, as they started playing it and I got it right away, I looked, mama was like, creepy, cringy lyrics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to start singing that. <laughs> um, and so we were led to believe. Okay. That, so it's called Garth Plus One. And okay. when you show up, there's just this 
single acoustic guitar Mm -hmm. in the middle of the stage while you wait for him to come out. Okay. And for his first residency, he did the same thing. It was just him and his acoustic guitar and telling you stories and playing you songs. And it was like a, it was like an intimate night with Garth. Okay. Is that why it was Garth plus one? Yeah. And then the plus one is going to be whoever the guest star is. Because oh, okay. he specifically said, you know, it could be Trisha. It could be, you know, another musician that I've worked with. It could be a musician I've never worked with but want to. Right. Like those kinds of things. Who's in Vegas tonight? Yeah. And then about partway through, they reveal... That his whole fucking band is there. <gasps> like the curtain comes up and there's all of his bandmates. And these are people that have been playing with him since he started doing it in the 90s. Like it's the same fiddle player. It's the same lap steel player. He brought in his studio musicians along with his like touring musicians so that they all got to play. Oh, it was so fucking good. What? Yeah, so basically every other song, mom just looks over and I'm just wiping tears from my <laughs> eyes because I'm just so happy and I could not believe I'd ever get to see it. And then Trisha was there. Uh-huh. They sang Whiskey to Wine and I got to hear She's in Love with the Boy <gasps> live. Oh my God. Oh my you are God. fulfilling all of my 90s country girl fantasies right oh, now. It was just... I I'm just, so jealous. <sighs> I'm so jealous. My friend Cheyenne just got to meet Sean and Eric... From Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were they were around for their, their podcast that they do called Pod Meets World. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then the rest of the vacation was good, too. Um, <laughs> we hung out at the pool. That was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Saw a killer photo of you at the pool. Yep. Went to an ice bar. Nice, nice. That was great. That helped you cool you down in that yeah, 115 it was degree. 121. <laughs> oh, my God. Fun fact, uh, when they say it's a dry heat... It does definitely make a difference because if we had that heat here, it would be intolerable. But there, it wasn't that bad. Though what's really weird is when there's a wind Mm -hmm. and the wind doesn't help because the breeze is just as hot as the rest of the air. Like our breezes are cold. Yeah. Their breezes are not cold. Their breeze is just as hot as the rest of the air. So it's just moving. It's just heat moving around you. I don't even understand that as a concept right it's weird but it's true and then uh uh yeah so the ice bar was 15 degrees so a perfect little break though my mom and aunt didn't realize we didn't realize that was what we were going to be doing I was like it's fucking hot right let's go here let's just go into where the ice is and they were like yeah let's do it and then they were wearing (gasps) flip-flops oh no so they're poor toes oh no but they were good sports about it we hit about an hour in there before my mom was like, I'm going to go. And I, I was like, my aunt and I were hurts. like, all right, let's uh, finish our drinks real quick. Boom, boom, boom. And let's go. <laughs> so that was, that was cool. There was tons of, there was tons of cool stuff. Got to see Grand Junction. Everybody can expect some cool Grand Junction stories coming up because I nice, found nice. lots of spooky places yes. out there. So Love ev- it. Everybody was super nice. We met some really nice Minnesotans by the pool. Um, because they saw my tattoo and we met some, they were teachers, very cool people. They're from the cities. We met some cool people from Colorado. We met some cool people from Washington and it's just like a chance to get to know some strangers. So that is totally something that you would want to do. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff I'm forgetting, but I, uh, we're already, we've already gotten so much into my vacation. So how are you while I was gone? Uh, I've been all right. I finally, last night, 
painted more of the living room. <laughs> that was last night. <laughs> Remember, remember when we recorded last two weeks ago, and I was like, "I'm gonna paint after this," and then I, I didn't. <laughs> so, um, but I needed to make sure it, at least it was partly done before you came back. <laughs> so. It was like my motivation was, "When's Kayla coming over?" I know. She's gonna see this. Two weeks ago, I told her I was gonna paint, and I didn't. And I'll own up to it, but at least it's painted. You vastly overestimate my paying attentionness to my surroundings. <laughs> Did you even notice? No. <laughs> Kayla. <laughs> Kayla. It went from like light brown to like forest green. I, I, I'm sorry. I wouldn't have noticed if Sean painted our house. So. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm glad I spent five hours doing that yesterday. <laughs> Just kidding. I needed to get it done. <laughs> I don't feel bad. If, if, if me... Not noticing, but still just being a motivator is what it takes for you. Yeah. Next time, just be like, yeah, I thought you were going to do more. It okay. turns out you finished it. You're like, I did do more. I finished it. It's done. Just kidding. I need someone really tall to help me with the stairs because I I have, there's no ladder that will make me tall enough to hit that ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> You're so short. It's funny. <laughs> well... Do you have a story for me? I do. Awesome. Awesome. So this week I have a Midwest location. Okay. I decided to keep it around, so we went to Westland, Michigan. All right. Um, that is a city in Wayne County, which is the southern portion of the Mitten of Michigan. For context, it's about 16 miles west of downtown Detroit. Uh-huh. Um, and so... A lot of places, my sources said it was like they kept mentioning Detroit, but specifically it is in Westland, Michigan, Westland. Okay. which is the home of the Eloise Psychiatric Hospital. Oh, no. I know how these stories go. <laughs> so first opening in 1839 as the Wayne County Poor House, the facility eventually expanded into a sanatorium, hospital, and Asylum. Mm, mm -hmm. By 1913, the complex became collectively known as Eloise, named after the daughter of Detroit postmaster Freeman B. Dickerson, who worked to improve conditions for the poor. So they named it after him. Okay. Or his daughter. His daughter. Okay. Eventually, the Eloise grounds became entirely self-sufficient. We've heard this story before. Classic. Classic. Uh, and then let me guess. Things went awry. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so they had like, basically like no plumbing, like every place we've talked about like this, it was a, basically an independent little town. Mm -hmm. It was very large though. It had 75 buildings on 902 acres. Oh my God. Is that a, a record for us with the asylums? Possibly. Uh, the complex had its own police and fire department, a post office, cattle herds, a greenhouse, a train and trolley system, a cannery. A tobacco field. There was a place where employees lived and a cemetery to bury those who died at the hospital. Um, it was such a substantial piece of land that at one point it maintained its own zip code. Okay. You had me at the trolley system, <laughs> but its own zip code? It had its own zip code. It was used as a teaching hospital for students for Wayne State University and the University of Michigan. Uh, Eloise was considered to be at the cutting edge of new medical technology and was one of the first facilities in the country to utilize x-ray machines, as well as music and art therapy. Mm -hmm. 
The facility had a radium treatment center for cancer patients. And the sanitarium was one of the first to use the open air like model for treatment of tuberculosis patients. Wow. Yeah. Groundbreaking indeed. It was also home to the first kidney dialysis unit in Michigan. So lots of firsts. Lots of firsts. And are we ready for this next part? Because as we've discovered, with every old ass mental health care building and system uh, that got too big for its britches, it's a tale as old as time. Despite its forward thinking, Eloise also practiced now controversial methods such as lobotomies, hydrotherapy, and insulin therapy, as well as electroshock on some of its patients. Gasp, Kayla, gasp. We'd act surprised, but at this point, we just know. (laughs) They also drew criticism for overcrowding and sometimes poor conditions due to lack of funding from the state. Tale as old as time. Tune as old as song. Both a little scared. No one here is prepared. All right. Um... (laughs) (laughs) after ballooning to an estimated 10,000 residents during the great depression population began to decline over the next four decades as funding for mental health waned and the eloise psychiatric hospital shuttered in 1979 wayne county general hospital remained operational on the grounds for several more years before closing its doors in 1986 there was a list of the different facilities that they basically changed everything to but it wasn't super relevant to the story there were just a bunch in the area that they transferred patients to as different sections closed oh in the years that followed parts of the eloise grounds were sold off and turned into strip mall condos a golf course today the hospital complex is made up of about eight buildings the most well-known remaining structure is the k beard building which once served as the eloise admission and post offices but also housed about 400 patients and staff living quarters. Wayne County used the structure for administration purposes up until 2016. The Eloise Cemetery on the south side of Michigan Avenue still exists, too. It is a field full of small brick markers with numbers on them. More than 7,000 Eloise patients were buried in the cemetery, many of whom whose families could not be found or could not afford to pay for burials. That's always so sad. So they actually, and that's, like long, long ago graves, because even though the facility shuttered in 1976, I think I said, mm-hmm. uh, the bur- the burials stopped in the cemetery in 1948. Oh. Uh, um, after that, unclaimed bodies were used for research by the Detroit College of Medicine. So unclaimed bodies went to scientific research, and I don't know what they did with the people who could not afford to, you know, Pay for stuff. Probably the same thing. Yeah, probably. Eloise is a designated Michigan historical site. In 2015, the property went up for sale. The property that was once so big that it had its own zip code hit the market for $1.5 million. So how do you convince a prospective buyer to purchase this land with and buildings with horrendous uh, you know, horrendous history. Plus, oh, you know, the fact that it's haunted. I was going to say either don't tell them that it's haunted and say it miraculously. It's not haunted. <laughs> uh, or say, hey, it's haunted. Yep. Buy it. Well, and there was no there was no escaping it because this is now considered one of the most haunted sites in Michigan. 
But apparently, according to Mike Dean, who was listed as the broker for the complex, he said it's pretty easy. Quote, nobody gives a shit. Nobody believes in it. Unquote. Wow. That's that what, seems aggressive. Yeah, that's what and he said for the for like the facilities, like well-known haunted history. He was, like, he was like, nobody gives a shit. And I was like, um, okay, Mike, you're wrong, but okay. Did I not just say that haunting would be a reason why someone would want to buy it? Right? No, he just is. Right, Mike. <laughs> the Eloise site has long been a hotspot for paranormal investigators and urban explorers. They offer ghost tours of the upper floors um, to the public. Mm-hmm. There's actually one of the buildings was turned into a haunted attraction for like around Halloween time. Okay. Like they've yep. specifically turned it into a haunted house. That makes sense. Um, And they do like. Public ghost tours, public historical tours, and then specifically ones for paranormal investigations. So they have a whole wide variety of options out there. I don't know, Mike. Seems like a lot of people are interested in the haunted location. (laughs) Visitors have reported odd occurrences on the hospital grounds for years after it was closed. I mean, you get your typical teens that hop in there and say spooky stuff just to say spooky stuff. But Mm -hmm. a lot of these reports of what I found were from legit paranormal investigations or people who have worked there. I didn't even, I didn't even go. I felt I had enough information. I didn't even go onto like our favorite spaces to look for them and try to find stories there. Interesting. Yeah. Just from like the main sources, you're like, dude, I got a lot of stories. I got enough. I don't need, I don't need these filler haunted places stories. (laughs) Well, then there's the, the not spooky elements because there have been reports of people finding medical waste and other strange items left over. Mm -hmm. Uh, People have found, jars containing human body parts, as well as documents outlining strange medical procedures. So apparently their cleanup wasn't super thorough, as we've seen with a lot of the haunted hospitals and such. Well, who wants they to just stay shit. in there? Yeah. yeah, the body parts thing, though, like, mm. doesn't gross me out, but I'm like, really? You couldn't think that maybe there was a better place for that? <laughs> no one needs to see that guy's toe 100 years later. Why would there be a toe? I don't know. Maybe it was making him crazy. So they cut off the toe and put it in a jar? Yeah. I was thinking more like tonsils, a kidney. Like, you know how in science class you always had those, like, little animals, like, embryos and stuff that they put... That's that's what I'm thinking. Fine, a finger. You can have a finger. (laughs) (laughs) So paranormal investigators have conducted numerous investigations on the grounds, a group recently claimed to have seen a spirit of a woman wearing white, often seen on the upper floors and the roof. We'll get more to that one in a little bit. While that real estate guy named Mike may have been confident that no one actually believes in the haunted tales, that isn't entirely the case. A building employee who declined to give their name as they weren't authorized to speak with the media mm-hmm. told The Guardian that an occasional interaction with the paranormal isn't unheard of. Quote, I'm serious. The employee says with a hearty laugh, recalling an incident where a couple of children trotted up the nearby staircase only to turn around and report that a guy was sitting on the steps. Okay. Apparently he was in Bermuda shorts and was just sitting there. The employee says, they said we saw him and then we didn't see him. He has also claimed that there have been some shadows, you know, typical haunting stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's it. I would love to talk to them what the guy said he would love to talk to them but apparently he hasn't he's just seen them out and about or children have seen them yep wearing bermuda shorts styling so ghost some of the more common apparitions 
There have been reports of two ghostly children that have been seen running the hallways. People have seen them heading down the decrepit halls and turning a corner only to disappear. Okay. The assumption is that these were ghosts of children who lived at the facility when it was a poorhouse. Because while it was a poorhouse, it was often a place for them to put orphaned children. Right. And so, like, either till they passed away, unfortunately, from any of the various illnesses or were adopted out. Wait, they turned a former poorhouse into a golf course? Yeah, well, now the poorhouse is still there. Okay. Keep in mind, it's a 902 acres. That's so who true. knows what they That's turned. That's a lot. It could have been the farm area that they turned right. into the golf or golf course. And if you think about it, uh, because this facility, like many we've talked about, didn't do great at keeping various types of people separate within the facility, it would not have been a great place for a kid. Because they were confined on a property with an adult, with adults, not their adults, like not the people they love and trust, just other patients and then staff that maybe didn't want to even be there and those kinds of things. And some of whom may suffer from various illnesses. Right. Like that. So that could be, they could get sick just by being around adults who are also sick. These places are generally not great from our history of reading. No. At keeping yeah, different groups safe. separate. Yep. Women safe. <laughs> yeah, no. So the assumption is that these ghost kids probably died in their youth or maybe they were adopted out or aged out and now relive their lives as children without any fears mm-hmm. that they may have had when they were alive in there. Just kind of kitty ghost limbo, just running around the halls and playing. Uh, so that woman in white. That is a spectral figure that seems to take the shape of a woman and manifests in one of the buildings. She appears as a white vapor, and when her presence appears, some have been able to capture EVPs. Oh, what did she say? One source said that while she appeared, her voice was recorded as she whispered, Help me. Oh, no. From beyond the grave. That's never a good sign. Another ghost is said to be that of a doctor. Uh, said to prowl the halls of the crumbling facility. One of our favorite sources, U.S. Ghost Adventures, stated, Even in afterlife, he searches for an unfortunate patient to practice his scientific methods. Oh my God, that's awful. Though I couldn't find any source to say what kind of doctor he is. There's no identifier, so we don't know, like, hey, it's that doctor who was known for that. Oh, I'm just assuming the worst. So there's no justification for the evil doctor scenario. Right. Except for this weird occurrence. Apparently... Except for this. This will prove that he is actually, in fact, evil. Sometimes when he's around, people have also reported seeing a ghost that appears to be drenched in water, which could be a potential reminder of when hydrotherapy was coming into practice. Others have reported seeing a ghost wearing a smock stained with blood, possibly from a lobotomy or another type of surgery. Uh So the theory is, is that the doctor is often seen at the same time as these poor tortured patients and that indicates that the doctor lingers and is tormented by the ghosts of the patients upon whom he practiced because they are often seen together i'm gonna say that that is a sound argument in march of 2019 the detroit free press spoke to jeff atkins who is the co-founder of detroit paranormal expeditions after the investigation of the basement of the power plant building because uh that building on the property had been closed down for a long time due Mm -hmm. to flooding in the basement Again, electrical flooding. But they had closed that off, and but recently had drained it so that people could go see. Jeff said, down there was very eerie. 
You sense someone is down there, even though you are by yourself. It was one of the most eerily quiet places I've ever been, unquote. He said you could hear water dripping and what sounded like shuffling footsteps. Mm. Uh, During the investigation of down there, video recordings captured an orange orb and then a white one. And it's unclear why the property was flooded. In just two or more decades, supposedly rainwater likely just kept accumulating with nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. Atkins said it looked like what you might expect to see in a shipwreck, a long-forgotten, well-preserved place with clinging sediment. And sure enough, I went and looked at the pictures, and it's just... Lots of rust and lots of sediment. Just kind of hanging. With a very specific line. Yep, exactly. While walking in the power plant, photographer Matt Kane and investigator Matt McCroy comment about seeing what they thought was someone's flashlight. And during that period where they saw somebody's flashlight, they captured an EVP that seemed to say, who are you? Better fucking get out of here. Wow. Wow. So somebody don't want them there. Sir. There were several other EVP captures during their investigations, including statements interpreted as, who is this man? There's a group of people walking around, and they had like one guest investigator with them, Mm -hmm. and then they heard, who is this man? And then when an investigator dropped an F-bomb while he was talking about his back pain, there was a recording of a whispery, don't say that. Well, okay, that guy needs to talk to that first guy. Right? Because so, that other guy was really aggressive. Uh, our ghosts are not all on the same page with profanity. Right. So, right. Just One guy was just like, God, my fucking back. Like, so you- like, I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> they also have recordings of what sounds like a woman screaming in the distance. Fun. Mm-hmm. When none of the other investigators... We're screaming at any point. Like, that's good. <laughs> and then a faint humming in a room with them. No, I don't like that. While alone on the third floor of Eloise, an investigator named Todd began hearing consistent footsteps behind him. They became so constant that he got uncomfortable and left the building. And you know how investigations, they'll often have cameras set up everywhere to just constantly record? Yeah. He was in an area with cameras. After he left the building, they heard the sound of heavy movement on the third floor in the video recording. Uh. No one else is present, and the cameras capture the main hallway and entrances to the rooms. No one went in or out after Todd, but they still got those noises. So he was correct. There were indeed footsteps that were following him. Yeah. During another part of the investigation, also on the third floor, a psychic medium named Brandy Marie and a guest paranormal investigator felt the presence of a spirit just down the hall from them while conducting a geobox session. Seconds later, a vinyl record that was sitting on top of a filing cabinet shot off and slammed on the floor hard enough to break it, which requires a significant amount of force. Like, I could see maybe if, like, a breeze caught it and it just flew down, but it slammed down and broke. Uh, I think it would depend on the age because the much older records that people might describe as vinyl shatter like crazy. But if it's a straight-up vinyl record, you're right. I know. They said despite efforts to debunk it, neither Brandy nor the investigators could replicate or explain the performance or the occurrence. Okay. Okay. So they did try to debunk it. I suppose maybe if they were trying with a different type of record. not I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. The the old ones, they'll shatter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. I'm guessing they would have noticed the difference. They're also super heavy. (laughs) 
They had several photographs from these investigations on their website. One was taken by someone named Ace Taylor, who attended one of the Eloise tours. On the first floor of D building, there's a large, mostly open room with tables and chairs at the back of it. Ace had shined their flashlight into the room and snapped a photo with their digital camera. What they found when they reviewed the pictures was a black silhouette in the back of the room, which looks like it's sitting in one of the chairs. Oh. Mm. At the time the photo was taken, no one was in the room, and they they looked at it from multiple angles, and they cannot find an explanation for why the silhouette was there. Because, I mean, take another picture. It's not there. Right. Nothing's moved. No one's been in there. Mm. I just recently, like two days ago, had a nightmare about shadow people. So this is like really freaking me out right now. <laughs> the visual aspect is there for me. Another photo was taken by Shannon Fern, who volunteered to help with the Eloise tours in the basement of the D building. So the same building where this room with the tables and chairs is. Mm-hmm. There's an industrial kitchen. She snapped a photo while in the kitchen and caught what appears to be an apparition to the right of a pillar. So in the picture, there's this obvious light source. And that's what draws your attention because you're like, ooh, what's the light? But they're like, no, the light source is the lantern. Look to the left of the light source. And you look and there's this outline of what appears to be like an upper torso wearing like a collared shirt. I'm so glad you didn't end it with and holding a knife. (laughs) No, no, no holding knives. No, just, just, just a torso. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Just a torso. <laughs> uh, for this, I'm going to go on our social media, at specifically Facebook, because that's where it lets me post links. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I will forward the link to Brittany so she can put it on the Twitter. X. Oh, no, it's Twitter. <laughs> We're not calling it X. <laughs> that's stupid. Um, They have all of the EVP recordings, video findings, and copies of the photos for y'all to peruse. I in, I like I implore you to look at it, preferably at 2 a.m. in bed. <laughs> that's, that's the so, funniest time. And then you'll get nightmares like I had about shadow people. <laughs> put, put your headphones in, all the lights off, and just listen to these EVP recordings. Do it. It's so great. That's how I did it. Thanks. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Anyway, um... As for famous ghost hunters, the property has been featured on both Destination Fear and Expedition X. Okay. According to an article on Click Click on Detroit 4, I tried to see if there was another name for it, but the website is called Click on Detroit 4 News. Oh. I it's, it's I'm assume it's cuz it got like clips from news stuff, I, but I don't know why you would go on the TV and call yourself Click on Detroit. Maybe there's a different name for it. Anyway, that's what the website was called. Click on Detroit 4 News back in 2018. Wayne County sold off the former Eloise Psychiatric Hospital Complex in Westland to developers for $1. The agreement was passed unanimously by the Wayne County Commission, which transfers ownership of the K Beard Building and other blighted properties to a Southfield-based development team. I could not find any articles in between the 2015 one that I started this you know, story with uh-huh. to the 2018 one that explains how it went from being a $1.5 million property to being sold for $1. Right. Um, I, I mean, I just think I just think it's so funny that that one realtor guy was like, it's not a fucking problem. We're going to sell it. Nobody thinks it's haunted. This oh, is yeah. bullshit. Was that before or after the $1 million? That was the guy that was putting it out there for $1.5 million. Oh, and then it sold and for then three a years dollar. Later, three years later, there's an art- article about how they sold it for a dollar. 
this development team was specifically going to make like it in into <laughs> they were specifically going to make it into uh like a section of it is going to be affordable housing oh. for senior like senior living quote unquote affordable well i guess we'll see for senior living okay um uh and then they got a grant for the rest of it. So an article from January of this year said the rest of the area will soon be home to a new hotel, a restaurant and bar. And thanks to a grant from the state of Michigan, the city of Westland was awarded $695,000 to address the existing contamination of the area. Apparently the area is contaminated with petroleum related compounds. Well, that makes sense because the electrical place was underwater. Yep. So the grant will help eliminate like the potential vapor sources, they dig up all that bad contaminated soil, mm-hmm. replace it so that it can be a place for Children. a living facility, a hotel, yeah. a restaurant, yeah. all of those things. Eliminate the stuff that might cause problems. The completed project will include removal of some of the structures and rebuild, but then reuse of some of the other structures, I guess. Mm. Okay. Um, and they're also going to keep a haunted attraction in there. So <laughs> Better. Basically, what we're looking at is this potential old haunted hospital to turn into a haunted hotel and a haunted restaurant and a haunted bar. I mean, just think of all the places we could visit in one small area. Okay, but we have to go find Mike. We have to find Mike and say, fuck you. Yeah. $1.2 million. I don't know. We are interested. This is the only reason why we're here. Actually, Mike, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Not you were so you. wrong. You you were wrong. This does not deserve such a vitriol from us, though. I really like how often you apologize on behalf of us to people who are probably never going to hear this. You know, I'd rather have my ass covered. Thank you. <laughs> Next thing you know, I don't want in a lawsuit. You want a lawsuit? No, I don't have the money for a lawsuit. That's what I thought. We are not an LLC, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is on us. Shit. <laughs> Um, the area also inspired a horror movie named Eloise. Apparently the film stars Eliza Dushku and Robert Patrick, who is like the metal, uh, the metal Terminator from Terminator 2, like the liquidy metal one. And then he's eventually in X-Files, Robert Patrick. Oh, uh. He plays Doggett. Doggett. Yeah. We just got to that season. <laughs> Uh, it was released in February 3rd of 2017 by Vertical Entertainment, and I haven't seen it, but maybe I should. That seems really recent. It seems really recent, and then you realize that it's not. Shh. It's really recent. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. that is the story of Eloise Psychiatric Hospital in Michigan. That's lovely. Well, no, actually it was really not very lovely at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that was a good story. Thank you. So on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, mm-hmm. what are you going to give Eloise? I'm going to give it a 4.5. Is that to spite Mike? It might be. You know, we've always said there's no scientific basis for our ratings. I'm going to go 4.5 as well. I'll meet you. I'm going to match <laughs> your energy. Um, <laughs> Though I was... The entire time I was researching this and Mm -hmm. then the entire time I was reading this today. Yeah. My brain just kept going. 
who is the little girl who lives something something on the floor? I'm Eloise. I'm 32. I just took a shit in the hallway. I don't know what the actual. <laughs> it was a TikTok sound that was really okay. popular. Like it was like a TikTok sound from like a year and a half ago, and that's all I get. hold on. I gotta find it. Hold on. Is that Jenny DeVito? I don't think so. Like, there's actually, like, the the song is like, isn't there like an yeah. Eloise at the Plaza? Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's a book series oh. and a movie. Well, that's that's all I could think show. of. That's all I could think of the entire time I was telling that story, so. Uh, it's actually quite popular, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like sweet things. I like Power Rangers. I I never read them, but I know that they were quite quite popular. Uh, well, I have a story for you. I'm ready. All right. So tonight, I'm going to tell you about an American monster, a beast, Beauty and the Beast. Oh God! <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> whose origin can allegedly be traced back to one dark and stormy night in 1735. This is where I need, like, the lightning and thunder sounds. Like, Wait, why am I beatboxing? (laughs) That wasn't wasn't very thunderstorm. Do we have a thunderstorm button? We don't have a thunderstorm button. I know normally there is a button for what we want, and there isn't one. All right, we're going to say that whatever button I push... Uh Uh-huh. Is gonna be the one to set the mood of your okay. Your story, All right, right wait, now. wait, 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 wait. Whose origin can allegedly be traced back to one dark and stormy night in 1735? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's how we start the story. I mean, it's better. It's better than the sad trombone noise for setting the theme for your story. All right. So, according to legend, deep in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey lived the Leeds. Okay. When Mother Leed, sometimes known as Jane, while others uh, believe that her name is Deborah, discovered that in addition to the twelve children that she and her husband already had, what the fuck. She was expecting a 13th. When she found out that she was expecting a 13th, she cursed the child yet to be born out of pure frustration. Yeah. 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 Declaring that it would be the devil and or that she wished the devil would just take it away. Okay. 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 (laughs) You know that I am all for, you know, the right to not have more children, not of any children, have as many children as you please. Mm -hmm. But at that point, like, don't curse the child. Like, if you're not going to do something about it, then just, that's not the child's fault that you got knocked up again. I know. And for the 13th time. That's all I'm saying. I am not shaming anybody for any choices. I'm just saying that if you're going to have the child. It's a little unfair. Don't like it's not it's not this kid's fault that they are getting birthed the thirteenth time. That's what right. I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Exactly. 
But, you know, because birth control wasn't a thing in the 1700s, mm-hmm. uh, and they were probably anti-abortion. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mother Leeds carried the child to term. And then, one dark and stormy night in 1735, <laughs> uh, Mother Leeds went into labor. Her friends gathered around her to assist in the birth, and finally, after many hours, the 13th child was born. And although at first it appeared to be as normal of a child as any other child could be, soon after entering the world, it began to transform. Okay. Its feet and hands became cloven hooves, and its head became that of a horse or a goat. Bat-like wings sprouted from its back, and it grew a long, forked tail. The child, beast, thing, gave a great growl. So one of my sources actually said growling and screaming, but that sounds fucking terrifying. So I'm going to go with a great growl. Um, so it, it growled and it screamed and it flew into the air and it circled the room, whipping past onlookers with its long tail before, what the fuck was that? Before flying up the chimney and into the pines. (laughs) We're like a radio broadcast now. I mean, we do now throw our papers like we're a 1950s radio broadcast. So that's a thing. Okay. My one issue I have so far with this story. Uh-huh. Was it a horse head or a goat head? Uh, one or the, the, I don't think they look the same. I don't think they look the same. That's why but, I was like, are you telling me you didn't look close enough at this child before it flew off with its bat wings? You know, but so many babies look alike. So how can <laughs> you really tell between a horse and a goat? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Good point. Thank you. And thus, the Jersey Devil was born. Oh, shit. Jersey Devil. I was waiting for you to be like, is this the Jersey Devil? I just kept, I couldn't get Baphomet out of my head. Oh, okay. Just couldn't. But yes, the Jersey Devil. All right, sweet. I'm stoked. I did not mean to give you devil horns and then do the Jersey Devil. How convenient. How convenient. Love it. All right, so over the centuries, there have been many alleged sightings of the so-called Jersey Devil, a creature that is often described as a flying bipedal beast with a horse or a goat-like head. To this day, they still don't know, but I think a lot of them were from far away, so uh, I can give I'm going to lean towards head. goat. I've always pictured Jersey Devil with goat. Oh, I've always pictured it with a horse head. Oh. I'll show you a photo. Maybe we're the problem. <laughs> it's me. Hi. <laughs> I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. Uh, with horns, leathery bat-like wings, small arms with clawed hands, and legs with cloven hooves, and a forked or pointed tail. It is usually described as being able to move very fast and is known to emit a high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. Nice. I know. So cute. One of the earliest and most famous people to have seen the Jersey Devil is Joseph Bonaparte. Yeah. Napoleon's brother. I was like, why is that name familiar? That makes sense. Okay. Like his brother, Joseph had big dreams. And for a while, he was even the king of Spain. Okay. Until 1813, when he was forced to abdicate the throne. Um, I don't 
fully know why he was forced to abdicate the throne. I think something about him being a loser. (laughs) Makes sense. You can't have a loser for a king, man. No, not if you're Spain. Not if you're Spain. (laughs) Well, after this, and after his brother was also defeated, not a family winners there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a weird mood. Uh, Anyway, Joseph went into exile, and so he purchased 800 acres of forest in Bordentown, New Jersey. Uh, This was the perfect location between the ports of New York and Philadelphia, from which he could basically be positioned to easily receive news from both France and Spain. Okay. So Joseph's hanging out in New Jersey, and he built himself a fancy mansion. He's hanging out with the uh, who's who of the time, and he's doing what he loved, hunting. Well, one snowy afternoon, Joseph was walking through the woods doing just that. He was hunting. When he came across some odd tracks in the snow, and he would describe them as looking like they belonged to a two-footed donkey, uh, though one hoof was bigger than the other. Okay. A wonky donkey. So, so he, wonky donkey, that's brilliant. So he saw some wonky donkey tracks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. And he followed them. Y'all, she's crying. (laughs) She's like me at a Garth Brooks concert right now. Okay. So the wonky donkey tracks. Yep. And he followed them for a ways until they suddenly disappeared as if the creature had taken flight. Not really sure what this creature might be. Joseph bent over to examine the prince when, quote, at that moment, Bonaparte heard a strange hissing noise. Turning, he found himself face-to-face with a large winged creature with a horse-like head and bird-like legs. Astonished and frightened, he froze and just stared at the beast, forgetting that he was carrying a rifle. For a moment, neither of them moved, and then the creature hissed at him, beat its wings, and flew away. Unquote. I feel like if you encounter a strange beast in the woods, it would be totally acceptable to just forget. Like, you forgot to have my rifle. Unless you claim to be a great huntsman, and then you should probably remember that you have a rifle. I don't know. Uh, Well, one, he never claimed to be a good huntsman. He just liked Liked doing it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but also, um, you know, this whole white people, human mentality of shoot first, I've never liked it. I mean... It was hissing out of, like, a horse head, which in and of itself would be pretty scary. And plus, I mean, the wonky donkey legs. Gotta, you, yeah. I don't even know how I would react to a wonky donkey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Later that day, Joseph told a friend of his encounter, who then informed Joseph that he had just seen the infamous Jersey Devil, who has hunted the Pine Barrens since his cursed birth, to Mother Leeds some hundred years before. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, na, 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 na. 
I got to get the button closer to you. Or everyone's like, please don't put the button closer. <laughs> you don't want the button closer to me. You want a restrained hand near the button. We need a Gina Gleason for the button. Fascinated by the story, Joseph Bonaparte spent the rest of his time in New Jersey on the lookout for the devil. Though, after things settled down in Europe and he felt safe, he returned to his wife and never saw the Jersey Devil again. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because it's in New Jersey and he actually went to like Italy or something. Yeah, like he went, he went back. He's good. The story of the Jersey Devil continued to gain popularity with the continued stream of animal attacks and strange footprints over the years, including a string of attacks on livestock accompanied by odd tracks and screams throughout 1840 and 1841. Then, in 1909, the Devil's fame would be solidified with a series of sightings. Nearly 1,000 witnesses reported... Jesus! Reports were documented throughout southern uh, southern New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Yeah, 1,000. That is better documented than I think any cryptid we've covered. And a lot of these were within a week. It's like really <laughs> that day the Jersey Devil is just like, man, I got to get out. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I've been, I've lived here for over 100 years. I've never done any of the, the touristy town. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and he, he does some fun stuff. All right. So, um, one, having been made by Navy Commander Joseph DeCanter. So, Joseph, nope. Not Joseph, it's Stephen. <laughs> Not Joseph. Joseph Stephen. was the other fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, Joseph was the other fucking guy. Um, so, Navy Commander Stephen DeCanter. He had been testing cannibals at Hanover Mills Works in the Pine Barrens. Also, side note, apparently the Pine Barrens are sometimes known as the Pineys. The Pineys. And I was like, that's a, so cute. Just, you know, testing some cannibals out in the Pineys. That just sounded really Canadian. I don't know how to sound like a... I don't watch Jersey Shore. I don't know how to sound like them. <laughs> so, testing cannibals in the Pine Barrens... And he saw the creature flying through the air. So he naturally aimed a, aimed a cannonball at it. Well, of course. What else are you going to do? Right? Although Stephen claims to have blown a hole straight through the devil, it appeared to have little effect on the beast. I'm going to choose to think that he actually just flat out missed. That's what I'm assuming. But also, I he's, did grow up with Looney Tunes. He's trying to save face. He absolutely missed. Yeah, but then afterwards, when a group of men went to track down the creature, they found strange tracks leading into a field, but allegedly their bloodhounds refused to go into them. Smart dogs. In fact, these strange tracks could be found all across that area of southern New Jersey and Pennsylvania. An article from the January 20th edition of the Ashbury Park Press titled, What Mysterious Tracks Are These? (laughs) Begins with all Gloucester County seems to be aroused by the mysterious tracks found since the late snow. And some of the older residents declare it to be the Leeds Devil, which makes periodical visits up here, unquote. The article went on to explain that these tracks appear to be from a bipedal creature with hooves. Perhaps a wonky donkey, we're not sure. Hooves. (laughs) I know, I can't say that without... I mean, that's how you pronounce it, right? Or is that just an absurd way of saying it? 
hooves. <laughs> it's just hooves. All right. But we're so, Minnesotan. You got to accent that old. Oh, yeah. Got to. Hooves. And with these alleged sightings came widespread panic. So schools began to close and workers refused to leave their homes because they were afraid to travel through the woods to get to their jobs. I did find one source that humorously said that the children didn't care that they were missing school. And I thought that that added a lot of levity to the situation. (laughs) The devil was seen in both Camden, New Jersey and Bristol, Pennsylvania, And although the police in both instances claimed to have shot at the beast and were said to have hit it, it continued on as if they had not, just like that cannonball. I'm more believable that they continue on after a gunshot than a cannonball shot. I agree. I'm less likely to call that out as bull. I agree. I agree. I'll, you know, put a person on PCP and shoot at them. They keep going. PCP. It's gangs on PCP. (laughs) White boy gangs. According to Weird New Jersey, a few days after the initial sightings, it reappeared in Camden, attacking folks who were attending a late-night social club meeting. So, like I said, he just wanted to go out and do fun things. Yeah. Uh, Having earlier that day also terrorized a trolley full of passengers just six miles away in Hayden Heights. During that sighting, witnesses claimed that the beast attacked them, looking like a large flying kangaroo. And in another trolley car-related instance in Burlington, passengers reported seeing the beast scurry across the tracks ahead of their car. And in West Collingswood, an ostrich-like creature was said to have been spotted on the roof of a house. Firemen allegedly turned their hose on it, which it did not appreciate, as it attacked them briefly before flying away. Have we just... Like, considered that maybe the Jersey Devil is a shapeshifter? Because there's a lot of animals at play here. <laughs> For real, though. Have you, ostrich, a, a kangaroo. <laughs> have you ever met a horse, donkey, jackal, fucking uh, uh, goat, ostrich, kangaroo beast before? Because I haven't. I haven't either. Maybe it's a shifter. That's all I'm throwing out there. You know I like that. I like that. Um, Let's see. Most of these instances were said to have all happened within a single week in January of 1909. And that, in addition to the sightings, uh, (laughs) maybe maybe they're (laughs) zoo flooded. They just all ran away. The last time we had animals just roaming the streets of Duluth, it was because our zoo flooded. Maybe they had a zoo flood. You don't know. Yeah, the seal just (laughs) headed on the highway. True story. True story. All right, so let me see of this sentence. Uh, So all that happened in a single week in January of 1909, and in addition to the sightings, Folks across the region also saw an uptick in their livestock, particularly their chickens, being slaughtered. One woman from Camden said to have uh, come across a beast trying to eat her dog. Oh. So she smacked it with a broom and it flew away. Hell yeah. Yeah. You protect that dog. Yeah. After these series of sightings, the scientific community, uh, not believing that the Jersey Devil really existed, asked for possible explanations as to what the uh, creature could be. Yeah. 
According to AtlanticCounty.org, quote, repeatedly science professors from Philadelphia and experts from the Smithsonian Institute thought the devil was a prehistoric creature from the Jurassic period. Okay, okay, okay. New York scientists thought that it might be a marsupial carnivore. However, the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia could not locate any record of a living or dead species resembling the Jersey Devil, unquote, because it looks like a donkey and an ostrich and a horse and a goat and a kangaroo. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Shifter. But not everyone thought that the Jersey Devil was a real creature. Okay, 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 okay. Per the article, Jersey Devil, Fact or Fiction, animal trainers at the Arch Street Museum in Philadelphia uh, decided to create a devil of their own. And they did this by painting one of their kangaroos with green stripes and adding false wings uh, to match what they thought the beast might look like. That just sounds mean to the kangaroo. I know. He doesn't want to be green. Also, you don't want to fuck with a kangaroo. Those things. Have you seen like the male kangaroos? Yeah, they'll they'll beefy. Push you real hard. Uh, And although it was played off as some sort of a publicity stunt. Yeah. Like, oh, the Jersey Devil, we have one of those. I think it also implies that folks were not above thinking that it was all a hoax across the board. Yeah. And then there was Captain Doherty. So in May of 1909, a front page story in the press claimed that a local fisherman had captured the Jersey Devil after a fierce battle. Quote, Captain Doherty says he was pulling in from open sea with a boat full of fish shortly before sunrise when a big winged object flashed by his face. He saw as the object passed that it was an immense bird bent upon attack. Unquote. According to the captain, he had barely survived the attack. He said, he went at me with sharp, with his sharp bill and his claws. I managed to land a lucky blow on him, and he fell helplessly in the boat on top of my fish. I tied his wings and his feet with a line, and I brought him in. Okay. And apparently, he aimed to prove that this really did happen by showing off to the press his bruised arms. He's like, I got bruises. See, it was a fierce battle. Um, (laughs) And a coat that had been ripped to shreds. For the record, you could catch that with me just from me walking through my house. Yep, ADHD, baby. No spatial awareness. (laughs) No spatial awareness. That's why my coat is ripped and my arms are bruised. (laughs) You should see my shins. Yeah, the lack of iron doesn't really help (laughs) either. So he, he then brought the beast home and he put him in a cage. And although he would not let reporters see the alleged Jersey Devil... A group of, quote, old-time baymen cooperated uh, the captain's story, claiming it was quite the sight. Five feet in height, 150 pounds in weight, uh, a cross between a crane and a pelican, the likes of which they had never seen before. It's giving me the energy as the people who, like, had the hodag in the back of the tent. Yes, very much so. Yeah, but, like, all of his friends are like, no, it's totally really scary. No, you can't see it. It's so, so scary. It is so scary. Dude, dude, dude. I wish I could show you this. It is so scary. It would be too scary. So, yeah. And then the sightings of the Jersey Devil just kind of stopped after that. So there was this huge thing that happened in 1909. And then all of a sudden people just stopped seeing him. 
Sure, there were the alleged sightings here and there, but not really, not the panic-inducing, just thousand in a week that happened in 1909. And for a while, people mostly forgot about the Jersey Devil. Okay. That is until December of 1925, when a local farmer shot an unidentified animal trying to steal his chickens in Greenwich Township. And he seems to have claimed to actually have killed the creature, stating that a hundred or so folks, he'd shown the body to them, and they were like, that is definitely the Jersey Devil, because we don't know what else that would be. However, there is no actual proof. Okay, okay. Then one night in 1927, a cab driver got a flat tire on the edge of the Pine Barrens in Salem City. The cabbie got out of his car to change the tire when all of a sudden a creature came out of the woods screeching and screaming and attempting to attack the man. The driver got back in his car, but the beast pounded on the roof of the car as if trying to get in. Watch the paint. (laughs) Right? Eventually, the creature left and the cab driver reported the incident to the local police. Surprisingly, nothing came of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they they had confirmed that he was probably attacked by the Jersey Devil. Yeah. A decade later, in July of 1937, an animal was seen by residents of Downington, Pennsylvania, a creature with, quote-unquote, red eyes, which was reported in the July 28th edition of the Pennsylvania Bulletin as being the Jersey Devil. Then, in 1939, and in a completely surprising twist, the New Jersey Devil was named the official state demon of New Jersey. Wait, wait, wait. There are state demons? That's the only one I could find. What would Minnesota's state demon be? The mosquito. (laughs) Blood-sucking fiends. (laughs) Uh, Then Governor Walter Edge was quoted as saying, When I was a boy, I was never threatened with the boogeyman. We were threatened with the New Jersey devil. Morning, noon, and night. Which, fair. (laughs) Uh, because the sightings of the New Jersey Devil continue to pop up. In 1951, a group of boys from Gibbonstown, New Jersey, claimed to have seen a monster matching the devil's description. Which description? We don't know. <laughs> was it the ostrich? The kangaroo? What was it? The giant bird, which I guess would also be an ostrich. But then, in 1957, a body that folks also claimed matched the description was found as well. Though I actually don't know what happened to the body. Just allegedly people found one. They're like, oh my God, we found the Jersey Devil. And then that's it. Okay. Like the captain, they did not want to share it with the press. Other than the fact that they found it. They want to be famous. Yes. In 1960, several residents of the unincorporated community of Mays Landing reported hearing terrible screams in the night. When no one was able to come up with a valid reason for the sounds, the folks of Mays Landing began to panic. The police hung up flyers assuring everyone that the rumor that it was the Jersey Devil was, it was just a a hoax. Absolutely. So you do not have to be afraid. But the owner of a circus, on the other hand, offered a reward for anyone who could capture the creature. A hundred thousand dollars. During that same year, a group of wealthy merchants from Camden also offered a reward of $250,000 for the capture of the New Jersey Devil, even offering to build a private zoo house for it if it was captured. These pre- or post-tax? I don't know. It's a pre-tax. It's not even that much. It doesn't sound like it's worth it. 
Yeah, in the 1960s, I'm not sure exactly what that tax situation was. Yeah, It true. didn't used to be so bad before. <laughs> and then, like, some sort of weird every decade resurgence of the creature, which, have you noticed that? Yeah. A woman named Mary Ritzer Christensen claimed to have seen the devil in the early 1970s. Per Weird New Jersey, quote, This has haunted me since it happened in 1972. I was a senior at what was then Glousboro, 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 yes, State College, uh, and I had heard about the Jersey Devil when I came to South Jersey. But being from North Jersey, whole different world, uh, I thought I was far too sophisticated to believe in such humbuggery. One winter night, I was driving to Glousboro from Blackwood on a Green Tree Hill. At the time, the road was flanked by orchards and farms, and there were few houses, and there was hardly any development. I was completely sober, I swear. Uh, and a witness. I added the I swear. I was, I, was like, com- I, was like, I was like, thou doth protest too much. <laughs> I was completely sober and awake when I caught a glimpse of something in my review mirror. Curious as to what it could have been, I slowed down to dig a gander. It was dark out, but the moon lit enough that I had no trouble at discerning the upright figure of a creature crossing the road from one side to the other, roughly 25 feet behind my car. The figure stood taller than a man by far and had thick haunches, similar to a goat's, back on the goat. Okay. Supporting its nearly human-looking torso and huge woolly head. It moved heavily and didn't seem at all disturbed that I was there. I didn't linger long enough to see much more. I hit the gas and I flew to the Mason Park Apartments in the borough. Borough, glass borough. That's what it is. So petrified that I had to sleep the rest of the night in the car, unwilling to even get out in the same darkness that had introduced me to the Jersey Devil. I would not stay out in the car. That sounds awful. Yeah, I'd be like, I do that whole like mad dash into the house, like leave anything. You don't take anything with you but your keys, and then you're just like, I'll get the rest in the morning. Exactly. Can't be weighed down. Never again from that day on have I ridden on Green Tree Road, day or night. Then I haven't gotten the heebie-jeebies just thinking about that winter night so long ago. Unquote. Thank you, Mary. Ritzer Christensen. (laughs) And then like clockwork, nearly a decade later, in 1980, the devil was said to be back. One day, Chief Ranger Alan McFarlane of the Wharton State Forest Rangers was called to a farm in South Jersey. According to my resources, when he got there, he saw something that, despite his vast knowledge of wild animals, he could not explain. See, the farmer had called him because his pack of pigs had been killed. Now, this is where I'm going to get a little sidetracked because I didn't think that the group word for pigs would be called a pack. Okay, I didn't. I guess I didn't think that either. So I, but I've never thought about what a, a, a group of pigs, pigs was called. Be. Yeah, I didn't either. But I, so I googled it. Do you know what a group of uh, ferrets is called? No, it's a business. It's a business. A business of ferrets. Okay. Well, I I googled what a pack of pigs was called, and according to Farmer's Almanac, a group of hogs is called a passel or a team. Okay. Mm-hmm. A group of swine is called a sounder. Oh. But interestingly enough, a group of boars is called a singular. Hashtag fun fact. (laughs) Anyway, this uh, grouping of pigs had been slaughtered. 
Uh, and Ranger McFarlane reported that the backs of their heads were eaten and their bodies were scratched and torn, which is very upsetting. This very. is definitely the most brutal description we've gotten of yeah, anything attacking absolutely. animals. However, there were no tracks surrounding the bodies and no blood on the ground, implying that whatever had slaughtered the sounder had the ability to fly. Eesh. Years later, a group of men went camping in the Pine Barrens. One night, some of the men decided to go dirt biking, uh, which, and then the rest would just stay at camp. And the group that was the bikers you know, rode down the trail a ways when all of a sudden their bikes just stopped. Like, apparently all of them just stopped. Okay. According to one of the sources, one of the bikers said that it could have had something to do with the terrain or the nearby power plant. I'm going to say that's not. That sounds weird to me. I mean, I guess I don't know enough about it to, but that just doesn't sound right. I'm going to say that's not it. So once the bikes died, the bikers claimed to have heard a piercing inhuman scream coming from the woods. And then I think they just ran. They just ran back to camp. They're like, fuck these bikes. I'll get them in the morning. Where they found out that those who had stayed behind had also heard this inhumane screaming. So they didn't all leave. Some of them were just like, peace. And the rest were like, I'm not leaving. This is fucking expensive. I'm not leaving my bike here. Well, no. they. So there was a big group of men. Yeah. Part of them went biking. The other part just stayed at camp. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So one night, one of the men then went into a local bar and told the bartender about the screams that came from the woods, where the man informed the visitor that he had most likely just had an encounter with the Jersey Devil. Hell yeah. Now, one might think, like many of the stories of creatures such as this, that the stories would stop rolling in. Usually once you get past the 80s, the, the kind they of They tone like, down a lot. Yeah, they really yep. do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, these ones don't. And I don't have all that information for you because this was already six pages long. But if you want to go to the Weird New Jersey website, you can read some other, some other of the stories that has a really good collection of them. Sounds like a good chance for an eventual part two. I'm saying. Current stories of the, just for you, of current stories of the Jersey, Jersey Devil. Devil. So it's been like 250 plus years of folks claiming to have seen the Jersey Devil. And they've come up with a lot of different theories of what it might be prehistoric creature a sandy hill crane the cursed 13th child of mother Leeds, a kangaroo that you painted or just a creature of folklore a lot of people just think that you know these are just regular animal attacks or regular animals that are put through the the lens of folklore telling folks but no matter your explanation i think we can all agree that it's so cool that New Jersey has a state devil. Absolutely. The end. I love it. <laughs> I'm here for it. Good. That by far provided us the most amount of giggles. <laughs> and a lot of really good, like, points. Though very varying stories. Very varying stories. Although, I, with the exception of the ostrich... I think I can see the general shape of most of the other ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a kangaroo. With the legs. and Yeah, and then, and then the go, long feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, the ostrich is, no. Yeah, especially because they're like, it flew away. Ostriches famously can't fly. Famously. 
like might as well just say it was a penguin. <laughs> On a skeptic scale, I'm going to give the Jersey Devil a five. Me too. I fully buy into the Jersey Devil. As do I. <laughs> I already did before I did the research. It's just one of those things I had already decided before finding any information. It is a solid cryptid. Yeah. A yeah. very solid cryptid for I sure. had to like triple check to see whether or not I had done it before. And I was like, I know I've done Mothman. I was like, a lot of elements are similar to very Mothman. Very similar. I and think I kept there thinking. Might, I think there might even be a very similar story to that cab driver who had the the roof attacked with Mothman as there was to the Jersey Devil. Yes, I believe it was a like a man and a woman. Like driving down the road or something. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. What if Moth or what if Mothman? What if the Jersey Devil is an alien? Can't get back home. Well, that would be sad. I don't know why he's eating the back of pig heads, but aliens got to eat. That's true. And now we know aliens are real. No. <laughs> I'm making my sarcastic face like I know. Like we already knew aliens were real. Stop telling us like aliens are real as an attempt at a distraction government. Also, also, they said non-human origins. That could be like a bird. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. Um, I have a short little listener story for us oh, this wonderful. week. I didn't even see any come in. Oh, we got a few. So the next couple episodes will have them. Nice. Keep on, keep on rolling, guys. Keep we love it. In. You make us so happy. happy. If I had a listener story, I would be so happy. I do. I have a few. Let's go with this one. Okay. Okay. So anonymous listener story mm-hmm. from somebody with pronouns she, her. And she said, this isn't much, but I feel like it's kind of worth submitting. Always. When I was in my early 20s, I was spending the night with two of my girlfriends at one of their houses. She told me that she had seen spirits in her house previously, but I wasn't convinced. You could say I was left of skeptic. (laughs) (laughs) We waited up all night, and about 2, 2 2.30ish in the morning, we both saw an old man in a trench coat with glasses and a beard standing by the light switch. This is crazy because we were able to describe the figure to each other after the fact, not in the moment where we would feed each other hallucinations, if that mm-hmm. was what, what it was. We awoke our third friend, who had no idea what was happening, to turn on the light, as we were both spooked to go over to that area. When she turned on the light, no one was there. I have not personally seen this figure since, but I also have not stayed in the house overnight since that time. I love the fact that they had a third friend, and they're like, well, she didn't see how fucking spooky that thing was. Wake her up. Make her turn on the light. Hey, go turn on the light. Do it. If Thanks. This, if this thing attacks. Uh, you won't we, see it coming. You won't see it coming. <laughs> Ha-cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that they pointed out that they did not feed each other the information about the description until yep. afterwards. So that's good. Um, I do. I don't know how I would react to that. Again, I just had a nightmare like this, and it was so scary, and it just, like... But can you imagine, not only are you seeing a ghostly figure, but it's by the light switch. I so know. So you can't even... You're just like, I... Can you... Can you scoot me. over? Excuse me. Um, can I please... Can you turn the light on for me? Excuse me, Mr. Ghost Man. Are you corporeal enough to hit that switch? Because I need you to go away. Uh, you know, that was very polite of you to ask if he was corporeal. <laughs> corporeal. I just assumed, but 
you should never assume. That is how you make an ass out of me and you. If you learned anything from Supernatural, it should be that it's not easy to move shit when you're a ghost. You gotta focus. Yeah, Bobby had a hard time with it. Right? So that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And they said he had a beard. You know, maybe it was just Bobby. (gasps) I love Bobby. Except Jim Beaver is still alive and well. Thank you. Thank goodness. Yes. All right. Well, if you have a listener story you would like to submit, you can do so by emailing us, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can also click the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whichever you would prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic, and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Or X. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, just, I just keep I seeing angry TikToks about I that. I do not know to what you are referring. Oh, Elon. Man, baby. <laughs> Anyway, well, thank you all for joining us this spooky Wednesday. We love you and appreciate you very it's much. True, we do. Happy spooky Wednesday. Happy spooky Wednesday. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! It took me a second to register it, too. I was like, what is... I know, oh. I was like, you didn't notice. They're perfect. I had no idea if they'd actually work because I had no idea what the connection looked like. I thought maybe it was something that clicked on there, and I was like, I sure hope that uh, you should uh, you should get yourself some that look like cat ears. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, you have another package. This one. Uh huh. This package. Ooh. Next week's your birthday. Yes, it is. Yep. Red Robin. Thank you. I'll put it in a box, and then I'll put that box in a box. (laughs) (laughs) Untie it gently. There's another box in here. (laughs) (laughs) A box in a box in a box. Jesus Christ, woman. (laughs) I only did the bag part. Oh, my God. These are amazing. I thought you'd like them. Oh, my God. You going to tell us what they are? Oh, yeah, duh. Well, we're recording. I got these cute little, they're these little planchette earrings, and they say my pronouns on them. Pronoun planchette earrings? Pronoun planchette earrings. Oh, my God. They're so cute. (laughs) Hee <laughs> hee.